Thank you, worship band. Bridge kids, you are dismissed. You may go to your classes. I'm sorry that the uh, temperature may be uh, slipping up a little bit and maybe the air conditioning will cool us in a few minutes. We have Bridge Bibles. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you would like a copy of the scriptures, slip up your hand. We'd be glad to give you a copy. Ushers have some. Um, If you didn't bring a Bible, we'd be glad to help you out. And you can always pick those up on the way in. And if you like, you can uh, leave them on the table on the way out. And if you want to take one home, you can take one home. Yesterday, Sue and I were in the Twin Cities. We, I officiated a wedding for, for a young man that some of you may remember, J.R. Stewart. J.R. Uh, worked um, right, right behind you guys. Need a Bible. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, J.R. Uh, helped set up for two years, every, just about every Sunday morning, and J.R. helped with sound. And so J.R. got Jared Stewart, got married yesterday to one of our friends, uh, Bridget Littell. Uh, and Bridget used to come down and help us out, too in the very early days uh, when we launched. Next week, I'll be uh, in Stoughton next Friday and Saturday for another wedding, another couple from the bridge, uh, Tiffany Marsh and um, Taylor Schmid. They come, they're students at Eau Claire, and they come to the bridge uh, during the school year, and they'll probably be back in August. Today, we're going to be talking about church leaders. Let me tell you a little bit about, remind you, of uh, the bridge and how we got here and where we are in leadership development. The bridge is a new church. It was planted and publicly launched on March 8, 2009. As a church plant, we are in transition in developing uh, our leadership and establishing structures as we go. Uh, during this time, the bridge has had a provisional leadership team. Now, some of you know that and some of you may not. Um, I was hired as a church planter back in 2008, and immediately we established a provisional leadership team made up of three pastors, one from Duluth, one from Rice Lake, one from Fall Creek, and then the director of church multiplication for our district. Maybe more information than you needed, but... I am accountable to that group, and they have approved our, um, our budgets each year. So they act like a church board for the bridge, even though you've really probably never seen them or only uh, one or two of them. Um, also, for the past year, we have uh, three men from the bridge who are in a leadership training. We call them BLT, Bridge Leader, Leadership Training, uh, BL, uh, Bridge Leadership Team, and... Um, so for the past year, we've been meeting once to twice a month and uh, reading books and talking about leadership. Um, and let me just mention the, the three guys who, and I've mentioned them before, uh, Mike Minner and uh, Cameron Bump and Bill Cayley are, are uh, all um, in the process right now in training for, for leadership. And then... Um, Let me just go on and I'll come back. In two years, we have developed a church constitution. And back on February 20th, we had a big celebration. We we approved our church constitution. We had 37 members who have gone through 10 weeks of training to become members. And uh, in January, the three men that are in training uh, will be presented as leaders to the bridge. 
and the bridge, those in membership will have an opportunity to affirm and approve uh, those uh, being presented. That's kind of where we are. Today I want to come to a passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 that talks about church leaders. Uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 4. And you have an outline and you may want to uh, follow along on your outline. And that's going to be on page 842 if you have one of the uh, paperback bridge Bibles, 842. First we're going to look at God's plan for church leaders. God's plan for church leaders. And we come to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 1, and the text says this. Peter writes, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. And um, Peter writes, and this is to the elders among you. Peter uh, was really kind of an overseer of several church plants in the first century. And he's writing to the group of leaders in the first century. So we've been writing to the church the whole time, and now he's just going to focus on the leaders and what they're to do. But he wants the whole church to know about it because he wants the whole church to know what the leaders are supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be doing it. Uh, the key terms we're going to be looking at uh, the key terms, the first one is presbuteros. You don't have to worry about um, language, but I, what I wanted you to see is a root word. What does that look like? Presbyter, Presbyterian. And so the word presbuteros means elder, and today we have a denomination that takes its root from that concept, Presbyterian. Uh, don't worry about the denomination. I just wanted you to see what the text says. The text says presbyter, presbyteros, and it refers to an elder. And it's really about um, a group of men in, in leadership, and um, it's, it's, supposed, it's supposed to rent, uh, represent wisdom and maturity. That's the concept. In the Old Testament, there were elders in Jerusalem that served uh, in the ministry of the temple, and wherever in a, a synagogue was established around the world, a synagogue was a place where there were 10 Jewish males, could be leaders of families. When there was 10, it was time to start a synagogue, a place to worship, not necessarily in Jerusalem. It could be in Rome, could be in Eau Claire, could be anywhere, okay? When there was 10, they called it a synagogue. And there were elders at synagogues, Old Testament as well as New Testament time period. So that's the concept of elder. The second term is episkopos, and I'm, we don't spend much time at the bridge talking about Greek words. I just wanted you to see this one, episkopos, and it means uh, bishop or overseer. I could be considered a bishop. You could call me bishop if you want to. <laughs> Biblically, it, see, it's fitting. But all it is, it's a term for overseer. And what I want you to know is that term elder and overseer are interchangeable. Elders and overseers are the same group of people. Uh, Peter mentions this group in verse 2. And this is what he calls them, uh, a bishop. And, of course, the denomination we have today that's a modern-day denomination is Episcopal. Some denominations have bishops. It doesn't really make any difference what you call leaders, um, I value being biblical. There's a lot of freedom and structure about church government 
And so I'm not here to worry about the Presbyterian Church or the Episcopal Church. I just want you to see the two terms used for leadership by the Apostle Peter. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, Here is a trustworthy saying, If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. One of the things I want you to know about leadership that comes from the New Testament is this. It is a good thing when a man who is walking with God desires to be a leader in the church. Now, the reason I bring that up is because there's something about being an American Christian that we have this idea sometimes if somebody wants to be a leader, that's not being humble. That's being proud. And you know what? That's not necessarily the case. God places the desire for leadership uh, in some people's hearts. And it's a good thing, the Bible says. And this is an assumption that the man is walking with God. And by the way, this role of bishop and this role of elder, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, is for men. It's for, and, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here talking about the difference between the male and female leadership. That's another sermon. It's, it's be, male and female are equal in God's sight. Absolutely equal. It isn't like the male is somehow smarter or better. Not so. Doesn't even, uh, there are men and women who are gifted, spiritually gifted in leadership. All I'm saying is um, this role of elder is a role for a male. Okay? Here's a trustworthy statement. If anyone, some texts say if any man sets his heart on being an overseer, he, it is a male, desires a noble task. I just want, I, I want to say it. It's a good thing when somebody wants to be a leader in the church. It's a good thing. It's not because, just because, don't think that it's always about pride or somebody thinks they're better than other people. God just gives a desire in some people's hearts to be a, a leader. Okay, the appeal, uh, we're going back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The appeal that Peter makes, it's to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Now, Peter was an apostle. Actually, Peter was a pretty high-powered leader. And he said, he's not pulling any punches here. He's just saying, I appeal as a fellow elder. You know, I'm just like you. I'm an ordinary guy. I'm a fellow elder. He's talking to the leaders of all the churches. And he's just putting himself in their place along with them. And um, he says, a witness, uh, he is a witness of Christ's suffering and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. If you remember, Peter is one of those disciples who was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was there when uh, Jesus was arrested. He was there when Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. And Peter said, no way, Lord, I'll die for you. And then it was Peter who denied Jesus three times on that night. And Peter uh, saw when Jesus was nailed to the cross. And Peter uh, saw, perhaps from a distance, um, that Jesus was crucified and died on the cross. Peter was an eyewitness of the sufferings. But you also need to know that Peter was an eyewitness of the resurrection. And you know what? That made all the difference in the life of Peter because Peter would be willing to die for the church, for Jesus, 
because of the resurrection. It changed all of the uh, disciples' lives. They're all willing to die because of the resurrection. Um, And then Peter says he will also share in the glory to be revealed. The glory to be revealed refers to Revelation chapter 19 when Jesus will be revealed with fire from heaven and he will come in judgment. And Peter is saying, I'm going to be there. And uh, he's making that reference um, when Jesus is revealed from heaven. We come now to uh, the second point, God's charge to church leaders in chapter 5, verse 2. The key term, Scripture says, be shepherds of God." God's flock. The key terms are, first of all, shepherd. And, you know, uh, Peter is using an analogy from the first century, very common, common in the Old Testament times, all the way back to Moses. Uh, It was common in the New Testament times, shepherd, shepherds and sheep. And it's very common today. If you go to Israel today, you will see shepherds and sheep, uh, much like the first century. Um, and the flock refers to the sheep or the lambs, and it's a reference to God's people. Uh, it's, it's been a reference to God's people in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And just listen, I'm going to read a, a portion from Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning at verse 7. And uh, here's what uh, the prophet Ezekiel says. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. He's talking to the leaders of God's people in the Old Testament. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd. He's talking about his people. And he's talking about um, human leadership has failed. And so has been plundered and has become food for all wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, because the spiritual leaders of Israel did not gather the people of Israel and back to uh, worshiping the true and living God. Uh, Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will not and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. It will no, no longer be food for them. And God is just saying, and he's talking about old testament spiritual leaders calling them shepherds and he's saying they failed and he says i'm going to remove them and uh you know in the first century god made a major change didn't he he moved away from the priesthood he moved away from the the scribes and the pharisees and the sadducees who were supposed to be the shepherds of god's flock and he created an entirely new organism called the church or the body of christ and he raised up a new set of leaders. So we're reminded that this is very important to God about his leaders. The function of leaders to be shepherds of God's flock in verse 2, the function is to lead and to guide and direct and feed and discipline. Now, this is just the role of a sort of a normal shepherd in real life with sheep. Okay, and there's a major spiritual carryover for each one of these ideas. Um, one of the, I guess one of the dangers I would say about, we get the idea that the pastor is the shepherd. And oftentimes what we think of is we think of those pictures of in the church, some church buildings, uh, where Jesus is holding a little lamb. And that's a great picture because 
Jesus loves the sheep and Jesus loves the lamb. But it's not all about pampering. It's not, you know, yes, shepherds bind up the wounds that a sheep has and cares for them and he loves them. But it's not all about just how can I make you feel good? Because sometimes people get the idea that that's what the shepherd is for, is to just help people feel good. You know, yes, it's good to listen. Yes, it's good to counsel. Yes, it's good to love. But there are other things involved in shepherding, like leading. The shepherd stands in front. He doesn't drive the sheep. It's pretty dangerous if you try to drive the sheep. He stands in front to lead. He guides. He directs. Um, Sometimes that's just uh, kind of one-to-one discipling. Sometimes it's uh, uh, people have questions. What should I do? What should I do about this? What does the Bible say about this? Uh, feeding is about instruction. It's about teaching the Word of God and discipline. Boy, who likes to talk about discipline? The shepherd uh, in Bible times, a shepherd today, a shepherd in Bible times often had, uh, you've seen the pictures of a staff with a hook. And, and they, they used the staff on the sheep. Sometimes they had to prod them or poke them. Occasionally, they had to use that hook on their neck to pull them back. Um, they had to get their attention because the sheep would die. They would wander away. One of the things that uh, happened with uh, shepherds and sheep, sometimes uh, the, a lamb inexperienced would wander away. And the shepherd would go retrieve the lamb, bring it back. And then, you know what the lamb would do? Same thing. The lamb would wander away again. And the shepherd would bring the lamb back. And then the lamb would wander away again. Well, pretty soon, the shepherd, wise to this, would actually break the leg of the lamb. And then the shepherd would carry the lamb. And because the lamb couldn't walk... And it's pretty extra work for the shepherd, but the shepherd would do that. And guess what? When the, when, the, when the lamb is that close to the shepherd, day after day after day, the shepherd has to put him down. The shepherd makes sure that the lamb gets water and grass to eat. Pretty soon the lamb starts to trust the shepherd. And uh, when that um, lamb's leg heals, that lamb is as close to the shepherd as he can be. He likes the shepherd. But had to get his attention first so that he would stay close. And uh, no, there's nothing in the Bible about elders breaking the legs of their people. <laughs> but discipline is important. And there's a lot of passages on discipline. And um, all I'll say in my own experience, I've had to have some hard talk with people before. I've had some hard talk with leaders before. One of the most uh, difficult situations in my experience was when we had a, a young male worship leader who had multiple affairs. And he was a member of the church. And he's a public figure because he stood up before the congregation to lead and worship. We were very patient. We worked with this uh, man. We, we counseled with him. And then eventually it got to the point where we just had to practice Matthew 18. And that's responsibility for the church to go to that person and uh, call them to repentance and give them an opportunity and then go to them a second time. And the third time, it says, take it to the church. And there's sort of a, a final stage of where um, it's really church discipline and, and it's really you're no longer a part of this church because you have decided to walk away from God. 
A lot of careful, patient steps. But that's hard. But it's just what the Bible talks about as the role of the church and the role of leaders in the church. Um, so we're going to talk uh, next. Uh, we're talking about God's qualifications for uh, church leaders. God's qualifications. This is number three, verses five, two, C, and three. And uh, Peter says, be shepherds of God's flock, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Peter speaks of motives here. Leaders must have pure motives. Uh, First of all, not pressured into serving, but led by God. That's what Peter writes about. Not because you must. uh, Not because somebody twisted your arm to be a leader. You know, God's view of leadership is way higher than that. Hey, we can't find anybody else, so would you do it? That's not a way to choose leaders. That's never a way to accept leadership in the church. It's way too important. Way too important. It's better not to have a leader than to have a leader not qualified, okay? Not being pressured into serving, but led by God. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. You know, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever God wants me to, to be. How about you? Are you willing to do whatever God wants you? It doesn't make a difference whether you're a leader or not a leader. Are you willing to do whatever God wants you to do? Um. Uh, Secondly, not greedy, but eager to serve, not greedy for money. Uh, Some elders received compensation in the first century. First Timothy, chapter five, verses 17 and 18. Um, And that's where we get the model today to uh, pay some of those who are devoted full time to ministry. Some of those who are devoted to uh, teaching and preaching comes from first Timothy, chapter five, verses 17 and 18. You may want to look that up. And church leaders must be eager to serve. It's exactly the uh, model that Jesus gave in Mark chapter 10. He came to serve and not to be served. And so if you have a leader who just wants to be served, you got the wrong person. It's uh, it's about Jesus' model is servant leadership. Um, And then uh, thirdly, not controlling but being examples. He says, not lording it over those entrusted to you. And this is really a secular model of leadership, of power. You know, I'm stronger than you. I have more influence than you. I have more authority than you. So you better do what I tell you to do. That would be like lording it over uh, people. This is not what Jesus taught. That's an abuse of spiritual authority. That has been a problem in the church for 2,000 years. The abuse of spiritual authority or misusing authority in the church. All you have to do is study church history and uh, where people go out of bounds. You know, the Crusades were fought over a major abuse of spiritual authority. Or the, the Protestant Reformation is about an abuse of spiritual um, authority. So and then um, Peter, Peter writes and being examples, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. A leader is to be an example to other people in the church. A leader ought to be able to model to the rest of the church how to live a Christian life. 
A leader should be a model of um, how to grow in their understanding of the Bible. That they're, that they're, because they're reading the Bible, they're learning about the Bible, uh, continued growth on the part of a leader. And a leader never stops growing. A leader should be an example of a growing prayer life. Um, a leader should, should uh, be an example to the rest of the church on how to raise a family. Now, we're not talking about people who are perfect. We're just talking about people who are navigating life, seeking to apply God's principles to their family, uh, seeking wisdom from God, and, and doing the very best they can. That's what all of us do. And a leader should be an example in, in doing that. A leader should be an example on how to love your wife. They should be an example about how to do marriage. Not perfect. You know, in marriage, when you do something wrong, you say you're sorry. That's how you do marriage. And um, leaders need to be an example of everybody. All relationships have conflict. This is what I said yesterday in, in the message at the wedding I did. Conflict is just normal. It's how you deal with the conflict. Because two people are so different, it's how you deal with conflict. It's not about winning or losing. It's about resolving conflict. And a leader needs to be an example to the rest of the church. Again, not about being perfect. Just a growing leader seriously following Jesus. A leader needs to be an example on how to handle money. Um, A generous person. Wise use of money. Not perfect. Okay? So uh, Peter's been talking about qualifications. Here he's talking about motives. And next I want to look at godly character. And we're going to jump to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 through 7. 1 Timothy 3, 1 is that passage that said uh, it's a good thing if a man desires to be a leader. Verse 2 says, now the overseer, that's the word for bishop, uh, must be above reproach. This is not being perfect. The idea is if you look at this person's life, they are seeking to walk with Jesus and there, there are no, uh, mate, they're still growing, but there are, there are no major uh, uh, character flaws, okay? And it must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife. And my understanding of this is that a leader is a one-woman man. He has eyes only for his wife. He, he's not looking around. He doesn't have a, tr- a problem with pornography. Um, he's a one-woman man. Okay? That's a leader. Now, some, uh, some people have interpreted this as, well, it means they've never been divorced. So I think that's an entirely separate issue. I don't think this, this, this passage is talking about. So if you'd ask me, do I think it's possible for a person who has a divorce in their past to someday be an elder? Yes, I think it's possible. It's, it's mainly about can they live this, can they be above reproach in the church? That's another sermon also, okay? That's where I am on that. The husband of both own wife. Temperate, you know, it's about temperature. Not too hot, not too cold. Um, this, this guy um, is balanced. Um, self-controlled, self-leadership. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Able to manage his own life well in a way that honors God. Um, 
respectable, respected inside the church, respected outside the church, not perfect, respected, hospitable, opens home, welcomes people, generous with possessions, able to teach. Some elders stand up and teach. All elders should be doctrinally sound and able to counsel on Scripture, okay? Growing in the knowledge of God's Word. Um, not given to drunkenness. It doesn't say never consume any alcohol ever. Some people come away with that. It just says if you consume alcohol, better not be drunk. That's true for every Christian, by the way. First, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Um, not violent, but gentle. Violence is usually about anger, major anger issues. And um, we all come from different backgrounds, and we can all have anger issues, but we, we need to learn to deal with them. And um, an elder has to be able to handle this. Not violent, but in fact, gentle. Another fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not quarrelsome. That's often about anger. Um, picking an argument, picking a fight. Not a lover of money. Next passage. He must manage his own family well. He's not perfect. But he, he does a good job with his family. And they see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Next slide. He must not be a recent convert or may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. A recent convert. Um, it's, it's just a reminder here in... Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul really gets on the church for its immaturity. And um, they had been a church for at least four years when he writes. And no, there's no, he doesn't mention the elders in that church. It's like they don't have elders. There's nobody mature enough to be elders. And Paul thinks they should be mature enough to be elders in four years. So it's not like 20 years. Um, some people grow really quickly. So... But not a new convert. Convert. Uh, it's easy for a, it's easy for a new convert to become uh, very knowledgeable and easy to be puffed up with pride because of knowledge and fall into the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders. That's really important. A good reputation. What's he like on the job? Does he have a good reputation? Is he honest? Is he a hard worker? Is he lazy? Is he looking for? Ways to sort of beat the system um, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So th that's what Paul says about character. Uh, Titus uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9 is another list very similar to that. We're going to go now to verse 4, God's reward for church leaders. First, the chief shepherd, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears... So who's the chief shepherd? Well, you probably guessed it's Jesus. It's usually the right answer. It's hard to go wrong if you answer with Jesus. John chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He's talking about that relationship. He knows who the sheep are. He knows the people who belong to him and they know him. The idea of a sheep and a shepherd is a, a shepherd could walk out of a sheep pen with, with various flocks mixed together, take a large pen in a city. Say you put a thousand sheep in one pen from four different flocks. The shepherd could walk out and call for his sheep and they would follow him by, because of his voice. 
They knew the shepherd, and so they would follow out. That's what Jesus is saying here. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, he's called the great shepherd. In Psalm 23, verse 1, the scripture says, The Lord is my shepherd. So who is this shepherd? It's Jesus. It's, it's, it's God. And when will the chief shepherd appear? Uh, it's when Jesus returns to hold men accountable and he'll hold leaders accountable. Um, they will be held to higher standards because they have higher responsibilities. Leaders will be held to higher standards. James chapter 3 verse 1 says that teachers in the church will be held to a stricter judgment. Why? Because we're dabbling in the truth. We better be speaking accurately and we better be living the truth. Otherwise, we're deceiving, we're misleading. And then I have, uh, that's all to the leaders. Uh, oh, let me, let me just uh, finish the reward. We'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. I don't know exactly what the crown of glory is going to be. The scripture speaks of crowns and the scripture speaks of rewards uh, for people. In the ancient Greek games, they had crowns and they were usually just uh, flowers kind of weaved together in a circle and you got to wear the crown on your head. And obviously they didn't last long if they were made of flowers. But this is a crown that's eternal, a crown that will never fade away. So there's a reward for church leaders who are faithful, who lead well. It's an eternal reward. Lastly, the responsibility of the church in your home. You're almost home, okay? Responsibility to church. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. That is not easy to do in the American church. You go to some third world countries, hey, this is not a problem. Yes, there is spiritual abuse. It's hard in America because in America, we have a tendency not to trust our leaders. We're looking for some kind of scam, something underneath the service, uh, uh, surface. I'm talking about all leaders, political leaders. We don't trust leaders well. This is hard in America. We tend not to trust leaders in the church well. And I, there are good reasons. I know there are good reasons for this. Uh, notice this. The leaders keep watch over you as men who must give an account. The leaders of the church must give an account for overseeing the church. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no advantage to you. I just want you to know we have a responsibility as a church uh, to hang together, to be in unity. Um, what we need is leaders who walk with God, and we need followers who walk with God. We need shepherds who will walk with God and sheep who will walk with God. Then we can go in the same direction. You know what, where we're supposed to go? We're supposed to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's what we're called here for. There's, there's no other thing. Everything we're commanded to do in Scripture moves toward that. Um, that's exactly why God has called the bridge in Eau Claire, is to help people connect with God and to help people develop into fully devoted followers of Jesus. Um, 
I'd just like to close and just remind you, you know, the church is not a volunteer organization, not just one more volunteer organization that needs your time. The church is the hope of the world. I hope you understand that. The church is God's plan for world redemption. There is no other plan than the church. There's a lot of volunteer organizations. There's only one that's, re- that's called to redeem the world, to take the gospel to the world, to communicate the word of God to the world. Only one. The Bible says that you are uh, messengers of reconciliation. Every one of you are to be a messenger of reconciliation. We as a church are a messenger of reconciliation. We are the one that Jesus gave the, the, the gospel to as the message of reconciliation. There is no plan B. It, this is not just another little volunteer group to give a little bit of your time to. This is your life. You're, you know, God gave you a career, not so that you could figure out how to be happy, but so uh, you would have a way to provide for his mission so that you would have a life, so that you could serve, so you could have relationships, so that you would be about helping people connect with God and developing them into fully devoted followers of Jesus. I can't think of a better thing to give my life to. Nothing better to give my life to. It's life or death. That's how high the stakes are. There are people who are going to go to hell in your world, and there are going to be people go to heaven because of the bridge. That's what we're here for. We can submit everything else about who we are and what we do to what Jesus wants to do. And um, so your career, your education, you know, your homes, your stuff, everything. So that the kingdom of God will advance one life at a time. The church. Let's stand together. Church, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you uh, that you've called us to be the Bridge Church. You've called some to be leaders, and you've called all of us uh, to follow Jesus. And Lord, we want to be the church, and uh, we want to have leaders, Father, who um, walk with you humbly and seek to be uh, the men that you want them to be. And we want all of the bridge to follow you. And we do want to help people connect with God. Thank you that you've given us such a high calling. May we take it seriously. May we not take it lightly or take it for granted. That it is indeed about life and death. Amen.